What up, y'all? This is Amani, and you are now listening to The Ville Radio Show on Pure Radio. Yo, what's going on? What's going on, Jacksonville? You know what I'm saying? This is The Ville Radio Show. You're now rocking with the blessed. This is Jay Julioli's. You already know what's going on. Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, The Ville Radio Show. We about to talk about some serious, serious stuff today. I got my host in the building, and we got an awesome guest. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we bring certain guests on just to let you know we're big time. Just period. It's just yes, what sir. we do. Like, it's just it's a private thing, whatever. We'll repent about it later. But we need you to know that we're big time. So we have big time guests that come in to have conversations with us to let you know that we know some people out here. All right? So anyway, my two co-hosts in the building. You know what I'm saying? Holler at them real quick. Mm-mm. It about to be real sloopy doopy today, baby. Let's get it, baby. We going ham here today, baby. Oh my! This your boy Philly Yillies, and it's about to get silly willy because somebody's not gonna listen to the show no nearly yilly. <laughs> but it's all good though. We gonna keep it moving, baby. Shirk dog, I'll at him. Oh <clears throat> well, I was on vacation last week. So I was up in the mountains with no cell phone reception. So I have no idea what's happened in the world. Um, so I'm excited to hear what you guys oh, boy. are filling, filling me in on. Oh, boy. Did something happen that I missed? Or? Oh, yeah, just a little bit, you know. Okay, yes, cool. Just a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, we got our guests. You know what I'm saying? What can I say? I'm, I'm just going to say the name or whatever. We got Lisa Fields from the Jude 3 Project in the building. Let's go, let's go. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back with you. Most definitely. You know what I'm saying? And so, Lisa, you uh, tell everybody about Jude 3 real quick. Uh, Jude 3 is a Christian apologetics organization dedicated to helping people know what, we be- know what you believe and why you believe it specifically for the African American context. And for those who don't know what apologetics means, it means to give a defense for the Christian faith. First Peter 3.15, Peter calls us to be able to give a defense for the hope that we have. That's beautiful. All right. So listen, there's a whole lot going on in this country right now. And uh, there's a lot of, um, I don't even know how to even hit this. We got a president that is, uh, is, is, is peculiar. He moves different than anything we've ever seen in our life. He feels he's a new station of his own with his Twitter. And, uh, and he doesn't really exercise restraint on any level. And, uh, you know and, why he uses Twitter? Why? Have y'all heard that? No. Like, the reason why he, this is what he says, is why he's so prone to just always be using Twitter. Because he says if he does anything else, the media is going to twist his words. And it's the only way he can speak to the American people directly. I wish he would let the media twist his words. Because I think I would, <laughs> I would rather take I that. I would feel a lot better. Like, it actually hurts that it's coming straight out of his mouth. But don't you think also that it's better that we see what it actually is and it's not like, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, at least we well we know where he is. We know where he's really, really at, for real. But he struggles with the do not push sin syndrome, like a lot. Yeah, he had like somebody should be there standing over him, like every time. Proofread this. Please. He needs a he needs PR people, but yes. I, I don't think when you I don't think he would listen to any PR people. And, and he would tell the PR people what he's going to PR. So anyway, right. it is what it is. So can anybody give us a quick recap on what has happened? Like, 
can, can anybody give their perspective on it real quick, just to bring the, the audience into where we're starting at. So we want to jump into what happened with the NFL players and what Trump said concerning the NFL players, right? Right. So let's go back real quick. So the players are coming out to pro protest with Kaepernick, right? right? To stand in, in, in solidarity with him and everything else. Um, and so I guess the media, everybody gets wind of that. And in response to that, Trump says what? Well, we you actually even have to start a little. You gotta you gotta plug some other things into mm -hmm. that. Plug them because um, two. Of course, we start with 2016. Colin Kaepernick taking a knee. Okay. And why has, why did he take a knee, Phil? He took a knee because originally he sat down. Yeah. Okay. So the first time he ever did it, he just sat on the bench. Yeah. Okay. What happened was is that he got a letter from a uh, a military man mm -hmm. and asked him to meet with him. Yeah. Military man met with him. He sat and he met with him, and the military man told him and said, "Hey, I understand and appreciate your your protest because that's what we do fight for." But he said it would be a little more respectful, uh, and you could still get your point across by taking a knee. Yeah. So Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick did that. Okay. So originally August two thousand. He sounds like a great guy. Yeah, August 2016, first preseason game, Colin Kaepernick set. By the regular season, Colin Kaepernick took a knee, along with him and Eric Bell. He's a cornerback, I believe, for the San Francisco 49ers. All right? So he did that, and then we have the whole situation that happened in 2016, Colin Kaepernick. Now we, we can fast forward because we, we, we cleared that Colin Kaepernick's views on it was about police brutality, and the relationship between um, people of color and law enforcement and how it needs to change mm. because there were a lot of young black men dying at the hands of law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So we can fast forward and all that because that we know what his stance was about. Yeah. All right? We get to 2017, he does not have a job, okay? We, the people of America, people of color, some not the people of color, understand that he's being blackballed, okay? NFL can say what they want, but... That's my views on it, okay? Mm -hmm. That may not be everybody's views. Pun, in, pun intended. Pun intended. He's been blackballed, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, um, now we get to the off-season, um, preseason of the NFL. Um, Michael Bennett um, chooses to further um, the uh, protests, and him along, him along with Richard Sherman and a couple of other gentlemen um, wrote a letter to the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, mm. to um, to advocate for um, social injustice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And just like we have a breast cancer um, uh, awareness in the NFL, we mm. have a military month for the NFL. They wanted it to be making it. They have, we have a domestic violence now in the NFL. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to now create a Which program. is kind of an oxymoron. Uh, uh, well, anyway. Go well, ahead. the thing is, it, to me, it's, it all goes back to Roger Goodell and doing what you want to do. He's just protecting his pockets. I think the only yeah. reason why there's a domestic violence uh, advocate see now in the NFL is because there were too many issues in the NFL with that. Most okay? definitely. PR, PR move. Absolutely. Um, um, that is not to downplay that at all. Yeah. Um, so man and woman, if you're out there, we are not downplaying domestic violence. is a very serious situation, but this is what we're talking about today. So... After that situation, they go to Roger Goodell and ask for that. They get no, um, they get no response. Mm. Okay. Michael Bennett goes to Los, Los Angeles, 
Michael Bennett gets um, detained by police officers, thrown on the ground, gun pointed to his head, said, if you move, I'll blow your so-and-so brains out. It's a black football player. Yes. Mm. That has millions of dollars. Mm. Okay. Like so, well-known, so well-regarded. Well-known, yeah. well-regarded, you know, Super Bowl champion. Hold right? on. So I just want to take a moment to interject this point. Mm -hmm. So everybody who makes the argument about these spoiled rich players right. throwing their little tantrums, right. their money, let's just make that clear, it means nothing at the end of the day. Absolutely. When you're black, then you can get cracked by the cops whenever they feel like it. They don't care what kind of money you have. So they don't live in this bubble. Absolutely. Of not of, of being, you know what I'm saying, um, protected from racism and the predatory nature of a lot of our authorities that are supposed to be looking out for Absolutely. us. So I just want to make that point to people who wage that foolish argument because we've already saw it with the owner of the Clippers who operated his team like a, like, like a slave plantation. Absolutely. So he has a bunch of millionaire slaves while he plays the billionaire overseer of the property or whatever. So... The, the, this this comes out of even that that money. This is a problem where people hate black folks. Right. Like they have a, a inner hatred in their heart, which is wicked and sin. So any Christian that's listening to this, don't throw that little silly game out there. Play on another level. We should be offended by people going through something right. like that. And that's what that's really what the NFL, the guys in the NFL are trying to do. Because you could paint a narrative in the NFL that it looks like a slave plantation. Most easy. Like when you look at the when you look at a NFL combine, when they out there measuring you, they got you jumping up, they got you lift breast, uh, 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 bench pressing, and see how fast you can run, and see how agile you uh, are. Boy, like, you hit a whole nother like, can of worms, but like, it's true. Yeah, it's it's true. And, but I don't know if I agree with it because well, there's a lot of white people in the combine. It is. Most, most, but, but hold on, but let's talk about the economic side of it. Right, there ain't a whole lot of there. They're not the we whole can, lot. We can it's, we do it in injustice. There's no money. Say it this way: Where are the black owners at? So in that sense, right. That's why you have to say that. And that's and again, that's why I say you can paint the picture. Everybody won't paint that picture. <clears throat> yeah. But some people will paint that picture that way. I necessarily wouldn't, but I can understand their views if they do. Which is why the problem with that is is because you could quickly change the narrative of a person painting that picture if you give the players a voice. The difference between the NBA and the NFL is the NBA players have a voice because 10 years ago, they decided that they were going to get a voice when they did a lockout. Mm -hmm. NFL players have not come to that stance yet, and they need to do it so that they can get a voice. And they're trying to. You got players now that are trying to. I believe it's yeah. going to happen within the next two years. Yeah. But So, you know, that's where all of that comes from. Let's but, let's jump back on uh, Eric Bennett. So let's go back to Eric, um, um, uh, Michael Bennett. So, Michael uh, Bennett, excuse yeah. me. I was thinking of Eric Benet. Yeah, yeah. Eric the boy, Benet. The boy can sing, though, man. He, he can sing? The boy can sing. <laughs> Blew it with Hallie, though. I done so, mixed him with Tony Bennett and all that. The right. whole mix. So, remix. Um, we go back to Michael Bennett. Yeah, so the whole situation with the um, uh, the police officers and all of that, that happens. Um, nothing happens uh, to the police officers. No reprimanding, no nothing. Um, um he, um, I think um, Michael Bennett is trying to uh, form a case in the situation, but I'm not exactly sure because um, that was one of those moments I just was like, you know what? I don't even think I can take no more of this. So I didn't even go so far, that, far into the details of what's going on after I found out what had happened. 
Um, but then uh, fast forward up until that point. So now you have um, players like Michael Bennett along with Richard Sherman along with others. They were protesting in this um, um, the beginning of the season. Mm. You had the Cleveland Browns, um, almost the entire defense, uh, one preseason took a knee. Um, so there was protesting going on. So what was the protest at the beginning? Of the this season? protest was about social and, and same thing. Same thing as Kaepernick. Yes, as okay. Kaepernick. Okay, and it was going on. And Michael Bennett, he came out and he said, "Hey, we're doing it. I'm going to continue to do it." My parents were military parents, mm -hmm. and he said, "This has nothing to do with disrespecting the flag or the military. This is about bringing awareness to um, um, poli poli police brutality." Right. Okay. Bring, um, bring us up, try to jump us to Trump. Okay, so then we get, so. I wanna, we yeah. want to talk. So it's going on, so as it's going on, what has happened is, is that people brought about situations in the protest. So when the Cleveland Cavaliers bench took a knee, and then uh, what happened. Cleveland when, Browns. Yeah, yep. Cleveland Browns, excuse me. So this is where the point to where I think damage control was trying to be done, or you stir the pot. When my, when the, their white counterparts start joining in. Mm -hmm. So you had Chris Long, and you had the other guys stand beside him, kneel down with him. Uh, hand and, on the shoulder, I think. Yeah, and laying on the shoulder. And Chris Long talked um, after the game, and he was like, I know it goes on. He was like, I'm a white man. I can never be in their shoes. But he said, I know it goes on. Um, he says, I, um, I think he's in a relationship with an uh, African-American woman. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but he said something on the line. He has close friends or families or loved ones of the opposite race as him, and he realized that what goes on, and he was like, this is an opportunity for me to stand with my brothers and yeah. make it aware, okay? At that moment, mm. Cleveland Cavaliers police, I mean, Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland, the city of Cleveland Police Department started issuing you know, uh, uh, grievances to the Cleveland Browns organization. We're not going to come out and work for your games anymore and all this other type of stuff. Yeah. And then that's when we get to, as the protest going on, Donald Trump says in front of thousands of people. In Alabama. In Alabama. Of all places. Of all places. In Alabama. History is cyclical. It always comes back yeah. to the same spot. Absolutely. And he says... <laughs> Um, you know, if I was one of these NFL owners and I saw one of these SOBs taking a knee, he said, I'll fire him. i get them all out of there, fire them all. And the crowd went, wow. Mm -hmm. So, and he called them what? SOBs. 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 All right. Miss Lisa, I'm going I'm to push this over to you real quick. What that was a lot, I'm sorry, but what, no, no, that was perfect. That was perfect, Phil. What does an African American person you think hear when they heard that statement being made? Like what what's what's the deep thing that is being heard in that moment, you believe? It's a dog whistle. It's a dog whistle and it's basically telling us to stay in our place. Mm -hmm. And it's a control mechanism. Yeah. Uh, because it's like you're getting out of line, get back in line and do what I say, and quote unquote, I've, I've heard it, we don't care if you protest, you just can't protest like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that control mechanism and that dog whistle um, to stay in your place um, is very, that resonates 
with African Americans. It's like that's what you're doing, yeah. and don't try to hide it. That's yeah. what you're doing. Um, but I think at, it's it's funny because it, somebody said on CNN last night they were like they don't even know if our president think that deeply about what he's doing, like because he's just mm-hmm. a talking head. Yeah. Like they don't even give him that much intellectual credit to, to even think that to he, even that go into nuances that. No. that he just talks yeah. without thinking. Right. And yeah. it's like a both and. I think it might be that that is so ingrained in his DNA and that is who he is that it comes out. Like, yeah. like yeah. the Bible said, whatever is in your heart is going to come out. And yeah. I think that's just, we're seeing his heart reveal every time he opens his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sure, my white brother from another mother, right? <clears throat> you yes, ain't on this conversation. What do you, what, what do you think white people like here, so I, I, I imagine, and if we're gonna generalize, those people screaming probably mostly white people, right? Yes. This is definitely putting a, a racial, like a, there's a divide in how we are hitting this racially or whatever, that's pretty yes. you know, safe to generalize, whatever. What yeah, because mostly do, white people support Trump. Yeah, so, most yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. What, 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 do, what do white people hear? Like, or like, especially like white evangelicals, what do you think they're hearing? You know, I feel like the most common response to the whole protest thing because now it's at the front and center people are like uh you know i'm you know gonna i'm stopping with the nfl i'm gonna you know not support them anymore you know all that stuff i i think the most common response is like wrong time wrong place yeah like you can protest protest is a right yeah but you can't protest against the flag in America because what has America done for you? Yeah. You know, because and plus again, you're at, plus, plus people, I hear people saying you're at work. Like it's your job. You're supposed to go out there and run and entertain us. And how dare you speak? Like, right. And I, so I would boil it down to people saying just kind of that phrase. Like it's, you have the right to protest, but it's the wrong time and the wrong place to do it. Cool. Let me, can I, let me, let me grab that. Right. So this this is a very important important part of this conversation because right. uh, people get grieved on how people protest, but I can't recall ever when people have done any effective protest that it being that it would be convenient, right? Mm-hmm. right. It, it it actually works within the balance of things or whatever, right? right? So there's something that is extremely important and grievous to people, right? And it's so grievous to them that in their protests they are willing to interrupt something that has some type of significant value because it's so detrimental that this thing be responded to that we're gonna, we're gonna interrupt it, right? So what grieves me is that in most whites, ignorance for the historical narrative, plenty of knowledge when it comes to American history as it pertains to whites, mm-hmm. but have never cared about black history, which is substantial, and foundational in this country since the country was built on our backs. Make sure you remember that before you claim that conversation, right? Claim that statement. Since it was built on our bloody beaten backs, you you can't dance around the fact that that is actually the truth, right? Yeah. And so when people take this, this stance and they go, wrong place, they said the same thing to Martin Luther King. They said the same thing in our own city when people were sitting in restaurants. People are trying to go eat. And, it, and, and it's funny because the irony of it all is that what's being protested is African Americans being killed. The yeah. justice system in our city alone. 
African-American youth are charged as adults nine times more than any other kids. Yeah. Um, we can go deeper. Like when I mean, they said, not, not to cut you off, but they said that even about the um, Martin Luther King, um, um, was it, it was it was either Martin Luther King, the restaurant situation, or the Freedom Riders, how 80% of white America said that that's not going to help them. Yeah. Right. That wasn't going to help them. Yeah. Like, there were surveys done to where you just, you, you had the same, <clears throat> excuse me, same narrative as you have today when it comes to uh, a, a protest. That's not going to help you doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not going to change anything. And as we see, it made a great change. Yeah. It took uh, a lot of people, at the expense of a lot of people, but it took took great change. I mean, what would what would Selma been if Martin Luther King would have chose to do it somewhere else? Like in a in an all black church, right? You know, yeah. Like. I think. Can Can I get the statistics real quick? I want you. I want you to hit this lease. Hold on. Um, so, Freedom Riders, right? In the sit-ins, sixty-one percent of America disapproved of that, and then eighteen percent had no opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. You, you can keep going through this stuff all day long. Sit-ins, freedom buses, everything. Whites were on the wrong side of history every single time. This is, this is my problem. What I don't, and this isn't about human value, but whites generally don't have the right to lead this conversation. But in this, but in this, in this America we live in, where white superiority runs is, is in the forefront of everything, I don't think most white people know how to take the back seat and actually have to be learners in a situation. Right. So their opinions are casted out super quick because, hey, I, I know how this should be done and I know what's right. Mm -hmm. Actually, you don't. And history proves that you've never known what's right. And when we were actually being stumped on and trampled on and hung, you're out there with your kids licking ice cream. Right? right, and then and then when we get to you know being patriotic, who in the world logically would ever think that we would want to be that we would wrap ourselves in red, white, and blue when all of these songs and pledges and everything else were happening? We were out picking cotton, and our wives were getting raped, and <coughs> and, and and people were hanging from trees. I'm just saying it's illogical how people address this conversation in the amount of arrogance and pride and real no respect for history and a real lack of a patriotism you have to put in place to stay this blind. The narrative is pretty, it's pretty simple. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, I would imagine that you wouldn't want to do that. And then, yeah, I would imagine we need to listen since we've always got it wrong and we've always had deaf ears when people said, we are being mistreated and it's very grievous and it's very sinful and it's very wicked and y'all are missing it. You would think by we would round the corner and, and people would go, maybe we need to listen this time. So I'm, I'm go ahead, Lisa. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna read this quote that Bernice King she she said this on Twitter. Um, people didn't approve of the way my father protested injustice either. Said he was causing trouble. Trouble called him an outside agitator. Many who who quote him today and use his words out of context to detour nonviolent non protests would have hated him openly then. Mm hmm. And I think, you know, understanding that, you know, his rating, his approval rating amongst people when he died was very, very low. Mm. People hated 
MLK when he was at the end of his life. So it's kind of like we romanticize history yeah. when yep. it benefits us. Yes. And so I think, you know, understanding that, you know, I, I when I put this quote up on our Jew 3 page, I went and got a picture of him being arrested because I wanted to show people, like, we've romanticized his legacy. Yeah. And we romanticized the civil rights movement. Yeah. We romanticized the fact uh, I was reading a, a, a new apologetics book that I'm reviewing for Christianity Today. And the author says in there at the beginning, she talks about, I think she or he talks about the um, slavery and it being like a stain on America. But it, the response was, yeah, Christians helped um, overthrow slavery. And that was like the sentence. And it was and it ended. And I was just like uh, the rest of the book. I was just like, I don't even know if I want to read this because yeah. what it, you're not being intellectually honest. Like there were Christians on both sides. Yes. So to say that yeah. Christian, so I think just this whole retelling of history in a romanticized way is damaging and people look at things from the lens of, okay, well, Christians have been on the right side. White Christians have been on the right side. And it's like, no, they haven't. And yeah. I think, you know, we have to be honest about history. Yeah. And that's where I think the disconnect is for many. And it's, it's the same thing with like um, Muhammad Ali. When Muhammad Ali was, you know, doing his thing, his anti-Vietnam War speech, like mainstream America literally hated, hated him. Yes. Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Like he was not, he, not only was he not popular, he was hated. But then by the time he died, he had American presidents at his funeral. And it's interesting how history, like I even think that with Kaepernick, like right now it's a certain way, but I... I almost guarantee 30 years from now, they're gonna look back at Kaepernick being like, man, he's a great guy. We just, you know, everyone was just so proud. He took a stance and it's like, but in the moment, the, the kickback's crazy. And another thing is, uh, what I find interesting about white people's perspective about it, right? So they say like, don't disrespect the flag. Don't disrespect the anthem. Don't disrespect America. Like you, you, you're subject to faithfully, you know, lift up because of all the things that happened. But if anyone's truly patriotic, right, that's the word that's getting thrown around. If anyone's truly patriotic, the foundation of our patriotism. Bring it on home, brother, come on. Is overthrowing a bigger power in England. Come on. Like, it's what's weird is how many people, I, I think I saw someone kind of post about this, but it's like, how many people now, conservative people, would have been Tories back back 300 years ago when that means just they were loyal to King Henry in England and not really patriotic saying this is a free country and we're going to fight for that. Yeah. I mean, that's the question, but then people are throwing around patriotism like it's loyalty to something. And it's like, no, patriotism is, again, protesting and actually fighting for including the multitudes and fighting for everybody's right to be heard and fighting for everyone's equal rights. And it's like, but somehow that's tossed out the window and now it's morphed back into like, okay, we're all for the flag. We're all for, you know, the anthem and we're all for, you know, the United States of America. And it's like, what's crazy is it's a whole different conversation. It's a sidestepping of the real conversation. Because yeah. one of the things that I don't like about the whole thing is I, I don't see how people are going to get back to the original roots of why people were kneeling. Yeah. Now we're in a thing where it's like, the NFL is against Trump yeah. and calling their players SOBs and calling you know, them to fire him. They're going to show unity. Yeah. So now it's more about unity than the disunity of the justice system. And it's like, 
How do we actually revert back to that? I don't know. But the, the point being is, I think anytime a race conversation comes up, anytime, white people can interject with rabbit trails that get off the main topic. Because yes. actually talking about race is the hard thing to do. Yeah, and that's one, and that's 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 pretty much it, shirt. And that's what. Not, so let's if we go back to that after he said the sob, you have at the, the following day, you have NFL teams all over the country uniting, locking arms. Even some of the owners, some of the owners that even helped fund uh, Donald Trump's campaign came out and spoke against what he had to say. Um, you had the NFL, uh, New York Giants owner. You had Shaq Khan from the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had um, you even had Jerry Jones say some some things, meh things. Um, um, but all in all, they said some things that they were um, Robert Kraft, New England Patriots owner, that they were displeased with the words of our president and how uh, how divisive they were. And <clears throat> but I listened very closely to these uh, statements. Um, and, you know, what's so funny about these statements is that from the naked eye, like, first listening to it, it's like, wow, man, the owners really stood up and said something. But it was only just, it was a smoke screen to say, don't mess with my money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, if yeah. I be real and honest with it, it was just a smoke center to say, hey, I got to protect my organization. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You're not about to start pushing us around. Right. I'm not, not going to fire my star player who makes me right. millions and millions that, of that dollars. That type of situation. Yeah. You see and what I'm saying? He, and he started, you know, President Trump started the boycott of saying we should boycott the NFL to these players are fired. So all of this, and also African Americans had already been uh, boycotting the NFL. Absolutely. So they know that it's boycotts on both sides, so they got to do something that helps them at the end of the day and when it's about money, it's about money, and that's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. And what all this is doing is, like you said, Shirk, it is overshadowing the original reason of why we were taking the stance. They, I have so many of, I had, I have had so many um, white um, uh, males say to me, um, or I've read comments on Facebook, or I've been sending messages, why they just can't go do this? Why they can't go do that? Well, they were doing this and that. One of this and that is why they can't go put money into organizations and to further the uh, the advocacy of these things. They were already doing that. Kyle Kaepernick gave over a million dollars towards it. Michael Bennett has already been doing that. Richard Sherman has already been doing that. Okay, And that doesn't, what's weird about that is like, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Like, I, <clears throat> I'm sure that they, more than their money, is them going out to the boys and girls clubs and actually investing in the youth, which they have to do with the NFL. They and have, I'm sure they yes. do it anyway, but just because just of their status. They do camps yes. every year. These guys do camps every year because of their status, and they go and do this. Martellus Bennett and Michael Bennett are about that life. If I could say anybody in the NFL is about that life, those two brothers are about that life. But why do white people say prove it? Thank with you. your money, when we, when anyone else could say, well, what do you do? Right. Like, yeah. what, what do you do right. that's like for the common good of man? You it, know, it's a at the end of the day, in my opinion, the deflections are all based around people's um, number one, their it, overall their their lack of love in their heart. Um, loving people costs something. It costs time, energy, 
um, usually you're letting go of something you could be doing to satisfy yourself to now give and satisfy to others. Um, and, and, and then we just have a low esteem for our brothers and sisters, period. You know what I'm saying? Our fellow human beings and fellow Americans. It's actually one of the most unpatriotic acts you could actually do when it comes to disrespecting what was fought for in this country. And so the mere idea that one, that a portion of this country could be saying, we feel like we are being mistreated. Um, um, we feel like blood is being shed. Like, you know, we, we see all the, the stuff in the media about police shooting people and everything else. But like, we don't even understand how many thousands of other moms are sitting at home with no answers, right? Yeah. And because black people are used to being told what it was and go home and just sit with the pain, there's no case, there's no fight back or nothing else. But if you make a casting call for that, it will fill your stadiums up just like you fill them up for a football game. If you want to know how many of us get trampled, I have my own story. And I can bring in several brothers I know that will tell you their own stories of injustice. We ain't dead, but we sure got kicked to sleep in right. front of our families and everything else while saying, yes, sir, like some freaking slaves. So when people say, why do you have to protest like that? Why do you have to do that? It's, it's, it's so disgusting and unloving. And so it's equivalent to a woman who's in a marriage being completely abused or being battered by her husband. And when she tries to speak out, somebody just goes, shh, you know, you need to. Wrong you, time, wrong place. We're, we're, we're in the middle of something right, right. now. And, 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 and why do you keep screaming like that while you're talking about it? Like you're killing our, it's foolishness. Yeah. What do you expect for somebody when they're getting completely brutalized, killed? Yeah. And, and you're mad by the nature of the protest? Like what? In, like like let's be serious, right? But let me ask y'all this really quick. Can I say one thing on that? Most, real yeah, quick? most definitely. So I think the ultimate issue, at the bottom of all of it, is that white people don't think that there's actually social injustice going on. Yeah, I'm, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that I can come to. I mean, that's that it. Because if if you had if 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 someone had like a mother, a brother, cousin, whoever who they've experienced this issue, they'd be like, shoot, you shouldn't just kneel. You should just quit. Don't even play. Just yeah. do, do more. Yeah. But because this doesn't affect a certain group of people, they don't actually believe it exists. Yeah. And that's, that's, that is the, the core issue of everything. That's the core of a lack of love. And the fact of hearing that it's being said and not having to go look into it because just out of, you know what I'm saying? Be out of pure comfort of the life you live, you don't have to go across the tracks and find out if it's true. But I'm telling you, I work with a bunch of white people. Evac is led by Amy Donna Friel. She's a white female. She grieves for this issue because she looked into it. And she'll tell you, I didn't always know this exists. I sat right in front of it and didn't even get what was happening. And then when I looked into these kids' lives and I looked into the scenarios and I looked into the justice system, there was no way I could not lay my life and step into it. So people are screaming and yelling. Other people don't care because responding would require something of them. It, well, they just it, don't believe it. They don't believe it. And the real injustice is that people keep wrapping it in the, throwing the gospel in front of it, which is just really disgusting to me. But that just take me to the next question. Lisa, I want you to hit on this. Speak to this patriotism game that keeps getting played, like where everybody's just so up in arms about, you know, just 
you know, is so unpatriotic that they would actually do this and come against our great flag. And I saw a post where somebody said, you know, they're coming against old glory or whatever. <laughs> what, what were we talking about, sir? That was on, uh, yeah, that was on Lisa's post. Was that on Lisa's post? Oh, that yeah. was on Lisa's yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, see, the thing is, I stopped, re I unsubscribed to my own post. When it's entertaining, Lisa. You yeah. can't after, unsubscribe. It's, it's like 80 you comments. You can't even take it, yeah. And then I just, after 10, I'm just like, that's how I preserve my mental health. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You have <laughs> I to. I unsubscribe. But like, but, but like, I, I, I really, I really want to, I really want to hit it because it's something, there's something gross in it. Number one, people driving by veterans, homeless downtown all day long, and don't give a crap about it. Yeah, all people day. around getting chips and and, and nacho cheese, fry, you know, fries during the 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 you know what I'm saying doing all of that, right? The we we got we looked at what the rules for how you treat the flag. The flag isn't to be laid sideways and spread out. Am I right? Horizontal. There's a, there's a yeah. code of ethics. There's a code of ethics. You're not it's supposed called... to wear clothing with the flag on and all type of stuff. Well, yeah. So I mean, what's weird is Jay with that is like people. I've gotten into arguments with people about that. So like one of them is you're not supposed to, it's called, it's in the USA like statute and bills, like there's 10 things of respecting the flag that you do. Yeah. And one of them is don't use it as like, a, you know, apparel, drapery, whatever. And so I said that to this guy on Facebook and a conservative person I know came in like, oh, this is one of the things that, you know, you people don't really get. It's an actual flag. Like you, it's not just printing it on clothing, but you can't drape an actual flag on you. And it's like, well, now I'm in an argument with him. Well, what constitutes a flag, right? But again, you get sidetracked, and we're not talking about what's. It's like we're bringing this up because you're bringing it up, but you're pulling me into a conversation that who cares? Who cares? People don't respect the flag. Like, all the time. All the time. All the time. The way we. But why we are we talking about? Why are we it? talking about it? Like that's it shouldn't even be something to talk about. But if you want to bring that up, the way we started football game when we draped the flag all the way across the field, that's a violation of the flag. We not supposed. You're not number one. You're not supposed to lay the flag horizontal, whatever. However they say like that. Like right. flat. Like you. You're not supposed to do that. It does not supposed to be draped over you, but it also does not supposed to be in advertisement form either. It's well, not using. It's not supposed to be used for advertisement. Who gets mad when someone wins like a track and field event, right. takes the American flag, drapes it around oh, them, running across the? Everyone's cheering because we're like USA, USA. Like, who's like, mad at it? Yeah, no one gets mad at that, man. <laughs> but we're getting mad because someone's kneeling. It's just ridiculous, man. <laughs> which, which is, which is, which really just even presentation-wise looks really respectable, like a respectable way to, to. I mean, people are mad when everybody's protesting, throwing you know shopping carts through windows and all that. But like their anger for that stuff is not even close to what we've seen because they decided to kneel like gentlemen and respectfully try to make their point, but. And the last thing I want Lisa to say is, sorry, Lisa. No, you don't. I do. I want to hear Lisa. But the last thing is, I remember, like, a few months ago we did a show when we were talking about this weird mix of Christianity and patriotism. Yeah, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And it's being highlighted and in all of this. Yeah. Because a lot of these people are, quote, unquote, Christians. Yeah. Who are getting so mad at the disrespect shown the flag. Yeah. But it's like. But they mix it with a bunch of biblical language, and it's yes. like completely and taken out of context, exactly. and, and really sinful. It's really manipulation, and really, really uh, tramples on the cross. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I think you know people don't realize that America for them has become an idol. Yes. And patriotism is their idol. Yes. And, and you know, anytime 
our idols are pointed out to us, we often are defensive. Yep. Um, because we don't want to deal with the 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 darkness in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. You know, I have to deal with darkness in my own heart. I was just Absolutely. telling Phil I had to deal with some darkness yesterday Absolutely. in my own heart. And if you don't, if you're not open to dealing with that stuff, it will consume you. Yeah. And you'll turn a blind, blind eye to it, and it just continues to get worse and worse. And I think um, people who are quote-unquote patriotic and mix it with the gospel don't realize that they've created an idol in their heart that needs to be torn down and that God is bigger than America. He died for the whole world yeah. and not just the USA. Yeah. And I think that's what people have to, to come to grips with. Yeah, most definitely. You we know, say God over country, but a lot of people believe country over God. Most yes. definitely, all day long. You know, one of the things that um, I think is really like obvious in the middle of this too is how people, um, I keep hearing people bring up that division is being caused. They're like, this is causing so much division. You are already uh, divided. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is, we were already divided, but we were divided at the expense of those who are voiceless, which would be people of color, right? So people who live in comfort and superiority in this country, which has generally been uh, whites and Anglos, right? This is messing up that, that that euphoric, whatever that is, whatever that thing is or whatever, like good old America and things are perfect. It's perfect for you. It's never been perfect for us. There's no point in this historical story where it's actually been perfect for us at all. It's never actually been balanced or any of that. And so most whites would be like, shut your mouth. You're actually ungrateful and everything else. And you have every chance that everybody else has is and everything and everything else. In this country, we do have more opportunity than we probably would many other places, and I thank God for it. But it still doesn't mean that we're actually belittled and mistreated in this country, right? And so I always like to go back to this example. It's no different than a husband who lords over his wife in a sinful manner, right? And his wife is expressing her grief, and he says, I give you a house. I give you all of this stuff. You got a house, you got a nice car, whatever, shut your freaking mouth. But meanwhile, he treats her like she's nothing. Right. Or, or he starts the conversation when, how, why are you starting the conversation? Yeah. Why are you taking lead in the conversation? In the conversation? Shut up and hear your wife because yeah. that's what loving her would actually mean in the situation. So this all goes back. Loving somebody always pretty much starts with listening to somebody, right. to hearing somebody, right? Like the Bible says, weep with those who weep. So if there are people in the country that are weeping, whether you think it, it deserves credibility or not, it would be wise to stop and weep with them in here. Because it's whether it, even with dealing with the kids and the boys and everything else, I don't always agree with the situation, but it's their reality to them. So I step into it. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and if I think it's wrong, I'll never be able to walk them out of it until I get clo- in close proximity and build relationship. But I still, it's their hurt and I need to agree with them. It's what the Bible shows us to do. It's what we see happening on the cross when Christ looks at sinners and hurts for how sin has ravaged mankind and then steps into the story. Yeah, and right. and, and, and let me say this: this even is though it's a, even though we cause this, even though it's our fault, he right. still steps in. Right, and this is why it's so important to understand. And what I'm grateful for of learning within the last few years of my life, and not to say I didn't have a. I just wasn't very aware of it. Um, 
Um, the same gospel that saved us, saved us is the same gospel that is still working in our lives each and every day. And that's why it's so important to realize that, that the day, every day you wake up, that which what saved you, that ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did and what you believe as far as your faith is concerned, you have to maintain that posture in it every day of your life because if you don't, you'll get to a point where you're not being honest and the self-righteous thing hypes up and then like go back to what Lisa said, you're not dealing with the darkness that's in your heart. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, goes back to what you're saying, you don't you don't want to you you, you don't want to you really don't want to deal with it. You really don't want to you really don't want to hear it. You really don't want to know what is going on with the person because it's not your problem. Yeah. It's not something that you have going it's, it, it's idolatry at its finest yeah. because this is all about me being great. This is all about me getting what I want. And right now your protesting is not giving me what I want. Yeah. And it ultimately goes down to you think you're patriotic and you think, but it's more idolatry in it than anything. anything it is the, at all. it is the, the it, it just like pinpoints idolatry at its finest. Like that's what it is. And I've heard so many, like, of my white brothers and sisters say, like, I had a, a conversation with a guy um, in my inbox because he made a public post and I gave a public response. So he took, he felt like it was needed to go in his inbox because he didn't want to feel attacked. So he then for erased my comment, but he kept all the he kept all the ones that agreed with him. Sure, but he erased mine. But he's still supposed to give me a call. I'm waiting on you to call me. So, um, um, and I'm not going to say his name just to protect him, but he said, hey, man, in this post, this is what he said. Hey, listen, I realized that there, and I've heard this from at least 50 white men yeah. since this issue started from last year. Yeah. Hey, man, listen, I understand that there's racism in this country. We need to talk about it. We need to have a conversation about it. I just don't want it during my football games. It brings divide amongst the football games. I sit next to people that we have differences, and now I'm gonna feel un I'm going to feel uncomfortable because you're making it. This type of situation makes it uncomfortable. Um, oh. I, I use sports as a way oh, to escape. Oh God! Yeah, like I use sports to like personally for me, sports was a way to escape this. Like I don't want this in my entertainment. Oh, oh, you see, what I'm saying yeah. all of this, that, and the third. So, you know, so I said, just give him a break. Yeah, Man. you know what I'm saying. So he was just like, yeah, this guy's going gonna, through it. So I get it. Yeah. So, um, he's definitely probably not gonna call me now since I'm saying. I'm like sorry. But I want you to call me. I shouldn't though. be mocking that. Nah, I'm sorry. I, I'm I really I'm want him to call me so that. he can me out. But, um, I said, well, a protest. That's what a protest is, bro. I said a protest. So all this well done, amen, yes, sir, you're right. Why they can't see it that way? I wish they could see it that way. All these comments. I come in and I say, hey, bro, um, that's what a protest is. A protest brings about discomfort. That's what it does. It makes people uncomfortable. It makes in the you have to look at it what makes you have to, It forces you to look at it because our voice has not been heard in any, in any other way, yeah. okay? I said, and I'm very, I said to him, I'm very glad that you said that you use sports as a way to escape because I want to let you know I've heard that from at least 50 to 100 white men since this whole situation started and I'm going to tell you like I told the rest of them. I never get to escape. 
as a black man. Ever. I never get to escape. Ever. When I go to the stadium, they check me a certain way more than the way they check you. Yeah. They they they, they pin me down a little different than them. When I'm standing in the line behind a white couple, she cringes, her, the lady cringes onto her purse, and then the white man brings her closer as if I'm going to pounce on her. Yeah. It happens all the time. When I go, I say, I say recently I went into a club seat area. I was taken to a football game in the club seats. And when I went in, white old men were looking at me like, what are you doing here? Like, you don't belong here. Mm. The seat that I have at the Jaguars game, you get looked at as if, you got enough money to pay for this seat? It's like, you get, oh, oh, wow. It's like, oh, well, hey, you really here. blessed you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah. So, so we, we live in this. So on a daily yeah, basis. we live in this on a daily basis, my brother. Which is why the protest is necessary, and the deflection games make it even. This is the problem. Mm -hmm. This is why it's in your face. This is why it's in the middle of your football game yes. right now, because you will not look at it anywhere else. And then he said, he said, he he later then inboxed me and said, I'm just saying they should go spend money on radio, spend money on TV. I said, why should we have to spend our money? To get our voice heard. You didn't have and to do that. on what radio and TV? The ones you're not watching or listening yeah, to? Yeah, the ones you're not watching or listening to. And I said, I said, I said, and that's still, and that is being done. I'm about to throw my computer across. And I said, and I also said to him, I said, the problem is, bro, you're trying to start a conversation that you know nothing about. about. Nothing about whatsoever. Here's the thing I'm learning about this whole conversation from the white perspective is that Okay, the whole idea of like, I use football as an escape. I don't want it politicized. I don't want it whatever. Well, all of that is wrapped up in self-interest, which is all sin. Like, uh, isolating yourself and uplifting yourself to be comfortable and not at, or like at ease or whatever, it's all based in sin because we're called to love God and love others. And none of it is to be comfortable to make sure that I have my space and my time to do what I want. It's like the whole thing is laziness on our part, and it's laziness because we just don't want to engage because we know it's tough. We know it's difficult. We have our own jobs. We have our own families, our own issues, right. whatever. And so what we'll do is we'll be like, hey, I hear you. You know, that sounds really hard, but I, I need my own space too. And to Jay's point, like, sure, maybe you're mocking him, whatever. But we don't know. We don't know, and we don't care to know because it's going to be hard, and it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us comfort. It's going to cost us our own pride. It's going to cost us being wrong. Yeah. It's going to cost us a lot of stuff. But It's going to cost finances just to, hit, just to hit that nerve because there's a whole lot of finances and economical injustice that happens that's just crazy right i don't understand the whole argument of i don't want my leisure time being politicized it it becomes politicized when you make it politicized because you mm -hmm. could have they're not colin kaepernick is not demanding that everybody take a knee he's taking a knee based on his own convictions yes so if you're feeling convicted then obviously maybe you're the problem because he's not demanding you to do something. You're doing, you're feeling some type of way because your conscience 
uh, is trying to convict you of what's going on. Absolutely. And so how is your leisure time being destroyed when all you got to do is still stand for the flag if you want to? Yeah. Like, it's it's your choice. Yeah. You So uh, I, I, I want to change the direction of the show really quick. We, 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 I, I think we've leaned in really hard on, I think we leaned in really hard on um, where we're at on a lot of these issues and different things. How do we address this from a gospel perspective? And more than anything, how, how would you describe the position um, that a heart that is actually encountering Jesus in the middle of this, like what is the posture in it? And can I put an add-on to that question? Yeah. I'd like to ask this question to my black brothers and sisters because this is a question that in people in the white world of how they want to respond to it are feeling kind of conflicted. So I'm just going to ask the question, and yeah. we can go to the gospel. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think it all makes in. Hit it, hit it, yeah. But what I've been finding is, so partly I've been reading you know, people's posts, people's stuff, and they'll say things like, Hey, this isn't your issue. You don't have, you don't have anything to say. You need to listen, right? Mm -hmm. But then on the opposite side, uh, we see this thing where it's like, hey, we we want our white brothers and sisters to speak up for us and actually say something as well. Do you see what I'm saying? There's like almost this dichotomy of two different things being said, which I think they go together. I just don't know how. But like, if someone wanted to say something, right, uh, a white person to this issue is it more like hey I support this and I'm learning or is it hey I support this because of this because I've seen blowback from both sides so sometimes people be like I support this because this this is what's happening whatever and then sometimes they get a little feedback of like hey well you actually don't understand fully because you're not African-American and on the other side people will be like kind of quiet and then people will be like hey can you speak up D does that make sense yeah. So what, what does it look like? My question for you guys is, in y'all's opinion, what does it look like for a white person to engage in the conversation? So um, if they're supportive. Yeah. Lisa, do you want to answer this? I, I, I got something, but I'm, I'm talking everybody's ear off. Oh, no, you can go ahead because I'm going to answer the, hit the gospel. Yeah. So I think, um, I, think in, I think when we ask that question, whatever, we swing really, so, we, we go to the far sides of the of it, and I think it actually lands somewhere in the middle of the actual question. Um, reason being is because um, a lot of times when people are like told, you don't know any, like number one, black people love when white people step in and advocate in this situation. We, we love it. Yeah. Because white people do need to use their place of privilege, right, to actually speak to other privileged people because they don't listen to black people, which is why we're here, right? Right. So it's great. When people are told you don't know anything about this, I would guarantee that probably 95% of the time it's because they've actually crossed the line and spoke about something they don't know about and have done it with a lack of humility, yeah. um, which is our normal experience. Either we're getting ran over in the conversation, people are trying to advocate past us and be more hurt about it than us, and then it somehow in, ends up feeling insulting as well right. to us where it's like you, you actually need to slow down and because here's the thing. You don't know anything about it, so like you like so like white people are injuring things all the time, which there's plenty of grace and mercy for, but it takes another type of taste when there's a lack of humility in it, right. um, because black pe white people are very hard to control 
for black people. We, we're usually not in scenarios where we lead white people. Mm. So when white people's kind of arrogance and pride starts running before us, it's very hard for them to slow down. And then it's hard to even explain to them because they've never had anybody tell them you're, you're running amok and you're actually failing here, which yeah. is why it's such an issue because they, they just don't know. Right. So I think all of those things play into it and make it extra sensitive. And yeah. so it's not like talk and then don't talk. Right. It's kind of like we, we have to you know, establish the relationship a little different in the middle of that. And so I asked that too. Have you read White Like Me by Tim Weiss? No. No. It's this interesting book. It's a white guy, but he's really drenched in um, just the race conversation. And one of the things he says is how, how white people can actually step in and do something is just speaking up when, when there's issue at hand, like when there's injustice being done, when a relative says something that's inappropriate. When, it's like actually risking relationship with them to speak up for what's right. And what's been crazy is I've even had people in my own family uh, with my wife and other things who will speak up and it's, it's risked the relationship because people get so offended, so mad that it's like, it's harmful to the relationship, even though she's just trying to say what she believes is right, you know? And that's, I think that's like the biggest issue with white people that we keep coming back to the cost. What is it gonna cost you to really run with this stuff? Is it's gonna cost you relationship with other probably white people because they're gonna just instantly tag you as a liberal, one of them, you know, crazy, like, Stop being divisive. We need to be more united. Talk about only the things we have in common. Not, you know, it's like all these things where they just instantly box you off and then send you out. But I think that's that's the hard reality that white people have to face if you really want to engage in the conversation. Is it's going to offend people close to you, and it's going to risk what that relationship actually looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely, it's good stuff. Lisa, we, we hit, hit, hit the gospel side of this. Like as Christians, I mean, we're talking about it, whatever, you, it's, it's hard to stay in a place where you don't go into your emotions and in your flesh and get in a simple, um, it's hurtful. It's very, very hurtful, it's very demeaning um, when you feel like you know, you're voiceless and you're screaming to just get a word in um, and people kind of in their privilege are trampling over that. What do you think the gospel how, do, how, how should we engage this from a gospel perspective? I think we should remember the work of the cross. Yes. I think whenever I'm tempted, because what, what offense does to us as African-Americans is offense always makes us, if, we, if not properly dealt with, offense will make you self-righteous. Mm -hmm. And offense will, will uh, tap into the pride within us. Yeah. And so because we feel that white people are looking down on us, we start in turn looking down on them yeah. and saying we're better. And so we start fighting supremacy with supremacy. And I think that's the damaging part. And seeing we have to look and say we're all equal at the cost and we're all inclined to be just like our white brothers and sisters. I look at like the children of Israel. Those, they were oppressed and then they turned around and end up being oppressors. Um, and I, so I think it's important for us to remember the gospel and keep humility in our hearts, challenging the status quo, challenging white supremacy, but still at the same time, looking at our own sins and the way God deals with us to be able to extend that grace. And that's so hard. 
I think, to do because it's like we're constantly being beat on. And then you just think about Jesus coming down, putting himself in a situation to be inconvenienced, putting himself in a situation to be put on a cross by the very people he came to save. Yeah. And that is the a humbling thing for me to realize. Like, he's killed by the very people that he's trying to save. Yeah. He even calls the people that denied him at the most critical time in his life to be to carry on his ministry. So he didn't pick the people who stayed down with him. He picked the people who left him. And, you know, in our world, if you can't be with us at our lowest, you don't deserve to be with us with our highest. And then he constantly challenges us and flips how we treat people on his head. And yeah. he doesn't give up on even the people that, for, that forsook him. And I think... That to me challenges me every day for this conversation. You, you know, there's we have one more minute. I want to say this and just give commentary on that because I think that's the gospel. You're dead on. We have to treat what I get from what you're saying is we have to treat the gospel and look into the cross and all its implications for real and what it actually calls us to. When he tells us to do what he did, right? He forgave those who transgressed against him. He listened to the cries of people that didn't deserve to be heard, right? And he, and, he, and he died to remove our iniquities. And we have to look into that, and it has implications on our life, how we go forward and function and even deal with these issues. So even, the, even when I'm talking about where white people stand in this conversation, there's this thing where I understand their historical narrative, I'd be unreasonable to think they should land with a different opinion. So it makes me now have to go to a higher place. This is all messed up. The world is broken. And all we have is our hope is the blood of Jesus Christ. But we can't be shallow when we look into that blood. The same way we can't be shallow when we look into the idea of patriotism and the flag. And then say, be a patriot, but really don't understand what it even means yes. or what rights are actually about and everything else. Um, so. We're going to leave the people with that, and we're going to sign out with that. We might be around here talking some mess next week, so look out for the Bill Radio Show. Every Saturday, we do this on Pure Radio at 6 p.m. It's Pure Radio 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, the Bill Radio. Peace, and we love y'all.